We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh. We're here to give you episode five in season two of the Loki series here today. Last week, we ran through episode four, all the fun things that happened there, some of the questions we had, some of the things that didn't really uh, fit in. So if you haven't listened, go check that out. But today, we're moving into episode five. I took us through the episode last week, so Chase is going to be in the driver's seat here today. And before we get started, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man. No, this is going to be a good one. It's We're getting to finally almost like, I don't want to say finally, because it's kind of, it's almost been like a mini series in a way, but we're almost up at the peak of the mountain already. So it's, uh, it's coming up fast for sure. So it's, a lot of action today, a lot of full circle moments, and uh, yeah, man, uh, cheers, brother. Malice in the chalice, man. Yeah, man, the glasses in the air. We only got this episode and the next week's episode, episode six, and then we've got our, you know, at the end of every big series, we do uh, rankings, but man, it seems like we just started Loki not too long ago, and we're almost through it already, so excited to uh, start closing this one down, and we got some big stuff on the horizon but not before we get this one through today, man. So I'll turn the floor over to you to get us started. Let's do it, man. So this episode kicks off, and it it starts with Loki opening his eyes. And everyone in the room where the temporal loom was has vanished. They're gone. And he starts running around the area and explores the rest of the ship. No one's there at first, and, and he begins to time slip again. And the TVA voice is being heard in the background, and it says TVA code 1229, uh, fail safe mode initiated. And then Loki sees as he reappears again the TVA guidebook and begins to pick it up as a variant of himself time slips behind him. So this is a very strange moment in a way because we're seeing pieces of timelines from literally seconds before. And we're seeing how it like splits off into technically a different person. So very interesting. It's almost like that theory. Every time you make a, a, uh, a move somewhere or you make a decision, like it splits off into something different. And that's like a piece of the timeline. The butterfly effect, man. That's what they call it. Yeah, man, it's weird stuff, man. <laughs> it's weird stuff. Good deal. So at this point, then... Uh, at this point, the orange monitor says, fail safe mode initiated. Thank you for your service. And in the bottom right-hand corner, you can see there's a drawing of Miss Minutes on there and the orange Miss Minutes. And um, then the monitor shuts off and everything turns to shred, like when it's vanishing again. And uh, then we cut over to, we see Casey, well, who we think is Casey, and some prisoners, and they're breaking out of prison and at this point and it's san francisco in 1962 and then loki appears as they're all trying to escape and runs up to casey and casey doesn't recognize loki at all and he thinks like loki is the boat guy <laughs> to try to help them escape here and other prisoners keep referring to casey as frank and Casey mentions they're at Alcatraz. So I thought that was a cool moment, almost like escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, actually, if I could pause you right here for a second, this is an actual cool little Easter egg. What they tried to do is recreate the actual escape from Alcatraz. They even used the real names of the people that did escape from Alcatraz here. And it was the exact same year and everything. It was 1962. 
and three prisoners escaped. There was supposed to be four, but the fourth one didn't get out in time, and uh, the other three were able to. Two were brothers, and, and again, one of them, his name was Frank, and obviously that's what Casey was supposed to be in uh, this whole escape here. So I thought it was just really cool that they used the exact, uh, the exact name. So it was... Uh, Clarence Anglin, John Anglin, and Frank Morris. And so Casey, the, the guy who was actually supposed to be playing Casey, is, uh, that was the Frank Morris of, of the group. And those were the three that escaped from Alcatraz. And no one ever found what would happen to them. And then later on, one of the uh, brothers uh, came forward, like well, someone who is expected to be. It never was confirmed, but there was a note from the one guy, and he wanted to come back to the States, and he offered himself to go into prison because he had like some sort of cancer, and he wanted to be treated. And so he uh, was going to give himself up and give himself in. And they never, they did like, like the uh, forensics on the letter and the handwriting and stuff. And they determined it's more than likely that it was one of the people that escaped, but it was never fully confirmed. But I just thought that was really cool that they pulled something from an actual history to bring into this episode, like the escape from Alcatraz, same year, same name, same location. So I thought that was pretty badass. That's wild, man. And imagine, uh, it's wild to think it's actually true too, because I know there's been a lot of movies on that, but um, I mean, imagine how hard it is to escape from a regular prison. But Alcatraz, that's that's intimidating. <laughs> no way in hell. I just prefer to rot and die. Well, I guess at that point you're probably gonna die anyways. So <laughs> give it your best shot. Who knows, man? But uh, so at this point, so then the alarm of the prison is sounding off and then loki time slips again and we're back to mcdonald's man you got to order the big mac and fries <laughs> so uh and as he's by mcdonald's then he tip time slips over to the piranha power sports which is gonna play a big role later and then he finally slips over into the tva interrogation room where you have the orange monitor at the center of the table hunter b15 uh, we cut over to her and she's a doctor in new york in 2012 and then helps a girl with a broken arm and loki appears in front of her and then time slips again and then in 2022 uh, cleveland ohio mobius appears and he's like riding on a jet ski so he finally gets to ride the jet ski he's always wanted to ride on but it's not as good as you think because you see he's inside the Piranha Power Sports riding on the jet ski and they're blowing the wind in his hair. And he's like an off-road vehicle seller. Is that what you would call these people? Like the people that work in the outdoor sports, I guess? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. An outdoor sports vehicle salesman. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> like you said, he was he was going through that whole thing. You got you saw the sea spray looked really cool at the beginning, and then you just realized he's just selling something from inside the store. But yeah, no, I, I that's that's how I would put it. It was great. It was awesome. But th- in my opinion, this is I see this as Mobius's meant to be timeline. <laughs> like this is his element. What do you think? Do you think this is like Mobius's like? I guess if someone could ride off into the sunset, like in my opinion, this pretty much is Mobius's sunset. Well, yeah. And especially as we go in a little bit further into this episode, I don't want to give anything away, but like we do get to see Mobius's house that he has on this timeline. And he's got two of those for himself. So yeah, he's got his two jet skis and you know, 
They he that's something we've heard about. That's finally come full circle from back in season one. I remember when we first were introduced to Mobius, he was going on and on about these jet skis, and you know now we get to see a little bit of that full circle here. So yeah, I think that's where he's his time on the timeline is meant to be, and maybe that's why he's always had uh, an affinity for these jet skis, even being a TVA agent for however long he's been a TVA agent. And it's uh. You know, it's interesting because it's like he finally gets what he wants and now everyone's trying to rip it away from him. Talk about a tragedy. <laughs> but so Loki uh, comes into the room where Mobius is and he says, the TVA is gone. And Mobius says, I think you mean ATV and no, you're in luck. We got two of them last week and they're upstairs. And Loki says, you don't remember me either? No. I do. You were in just the other day, right? Like, total bullshit salesman. <laughs> total bullshit salesman. And then uh, Mobius's co-worker mentions in just a quick moment, he says, your son's on line three. And that's important because that's going to come up in a minute, even though you kind of don't know what's going on here. And Mobius says, tell him I'll call him back. And then Loki time slips again right in front of Mobius. And we're taken to 1994, Pasadena, California, where Obi is checking out a book. At, it was a bookstore is what it looked like to me. I don't think it was a library. Um, and it's called the Zartan Contingent. And the counter cashier tries to check out the book, but it won't scan. And she turns the page and realizes Ouroboros, Obi, is the author of this book. And uh, the bookstore worker gives Ovi like seven of his books back and says, no one buys it here. <laughs> How embarrassing. What do you think about this moment, man? Very sad. It was one of my favorite parts of this episode that he just had armfuls of it and was talking the author up like it was the best stuff he's ever read. Then he's like, aren't you the author of it? They wouldn't even sell his book. This is why the barcode wasn't fucking scanning. So that was really funny. But, you know, we're going to see a little bit too when he goes back to his main location, uh, all, all the, the things he's got in his little area of, of the same sort of deal. But I thought it was really cool. Hey, man, if you're not going to, you know, promote yourself, who's going to do it for you, right? <laughs> you know, on a side note here, too, like, thinking of that, I bet you, like, a bunch of authors that are new authors and stuff, they actually probably do that. And they probably do go through that. Like, what's so funny about this, too, is, you know, that's probably, like, a real situation for some people, too. Like, they probably sit there. I don't think they actually try to buy their own book, but you think about these authors that do these, like, book tours, and then they just sit there all day and no one shows up. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, man. So, it's 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 funny, but it's, it, you know, just like Alcatraz, like, there's related, relatability to it. So, at this point, then Loki appears in front of Obi, and... Loki tells Obi he needs uh, he needs to be back, so he needs to get him back because the loom's going to be melted down. And Obi says, "Well, it's impossible because uh, you know, you're, Loki, you're trying to travel to a place that doesn't exist. So, like, how he's trying to get back into the past to fix the loom, he can't get there because it, the branches are being destroyed." And Obi tells Loki that he needs to control the time slipping in order to be able to get there to fix this issue. So now we got two big issues, <laughs> big problems. So then Obi tells Loki that his slipping 
is due to him finding people that he wants to find. So he has some sort of cognitive ability to be able to control this, is Obi's argument here. And um, Loki says, if I can't save the TVA from being destroyed, there will be nothing to protect against what's coming. Then Obi tells Loki, well, focus in on what you need to save the TVA. And Loki tries to time slip, but it doesn't work. And he begins to generate electricity. And Loki says, how do you get to a place that doesn't exist? And Obi suggests that Loki doesn't know what to look for. And they should get the band back together because the group of people will have this collective of aura unique to that moment in time. So they can use that moment as coordinates to get back to that moment he's trying to get to. And Loki says, and then we can use that moment as coordinates to get back to that moment in time. And Obi says, nope, because you don't have one of those Tim pads you talked about. And Loki asks Obi if he could invent one. And Obi says, no, <laughs> I would have to invent it all from scratch. It could take a whole lifetime. And then Loki reaches in his pocket and has the TVA guidebook in his pocket and shows it to Obi. And Loki says, what if you had that knowledge? There is one on every desk at the TVA. And full circle moment here, Obi goes, so I am going to write a bestseller. <laughs> Loki says, yeah, sort of. Listen, let's get to work. <laughs> what do you think about that full circle moment there for Ouroboros here? Got to be your own biggest cheerleader, man. You got <laughs> to have that self-belief that you're going to do what you want to do in this life. So shout out to our guy, OB. <laughs> Obi's the man, dude. <laughs> awesome. And then Loki, uh, at this point, so Obi said, uh, that's a problem, <laughs> where he slips in front of him. And Loki time slips back to the timeline where Mobius has a family and is the outdoor sports vehicle salesman, as we call it. And uh, Loki approaches Mobius as he's cleaning up after his kids. And his kids, you know, like, very relatable here. Like, one's almost like, Sid from Toy Story, he's burned up all his action figures on the ground. He's like, go inside, I'll clean up after you. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, see how I made that relative here? <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Anyways, so Mobius sees Loki approaching and Mobius goes, you were at the shop earlier. And Loki says, yeah, sorry, I had to go back there. And at first, you know, he's questioning him. He's like, did you follow me here? And he was like, no, I was just stopping by and... Uh, Mobius says, you were looking for ATVs, and Loki said, TVA, and he does this on purpose to try to see if Mobius will remember it all, and Mobius says, you still in the market? Because I've got something I want to show you, and they go back to the shed, and Mobius has two jet skis, excellent moment, and shows it to Loki in the garage, the shed garage. And he said, wife is long gone and I can't ride two of them. Plus, the boys are going to need braces and who knows what else. And Loki says, this from a full circle moment from way back in season one, trying to get him to remember a beautiful union of form and function. And this is where you know it's a problem because Mobius doesn't even really like flinch here. Like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> and um, Mobius says, yeah. They really are, and it breaks my heart. But what are you gonna do? Hey, can can I get you a drink? You want a beer? 
and just no recollection at all. And Loki says, no, no, no. I'm afraid I'm not here to buy a jet ski. I'm going to tell you something that's hard to understand, Mobius. And Mobius says, I think you have me mixed up with someone else. Because remember, in this timeline, Mobius' name is not Mobius. Loki says, no, you need to see thing, see the thing is I don't Mobius. Mobius is your real name, and you belong in a place called the TVA. And Mobius begins getting scared and then holds up a wrench like he's going to attack Loki to protect himself. And then Loki said, it's all right. I'm a friend. And Mobius says, I know you You are in a, you, I know you're a friend too. And like basically thinks Loki's crazy, right? And then Obi appears out of thin air with the time door. And Loki says, how did you build the temp ad so fast? And Obi says, I don't know. I would say 18 months is fast. Well, 19 months. I had to take a break and move out when I lost my job and my wife left me. <laughs> so Obi's the man here, dedicated. And then uh, Mobius says, what's happening? And Loki says, I promise this will make sense. And then Mobius decides to go through the door with Loki and Obi, the time door. And Loki tells Mobius that reality isn't what he thinks it is. And this isn't the life Mobius knows. And Mobius continues to tell Loki he doesn't understand. And Loki tells Mobius he knows him from a place called the Time Variance Authority. And Mobius saved his life when he first arrived. And Loki says, you saw something in me that I haven't seen in myself. Mobius says, are you really my friend? And Loki says, I am. Mobius says, it looks to Obi, is he my friend? friend and Loki says he will be and Obi makes a time door appear and Mobius says why don't I remember that and Loki says it's too complicated to explain to you now but I need your help to save this place the TVA you once told me it was the only life you'd ever known and Mobius says I sell jet skis man and Loki just says trust me Mobius what about my boys and Loki says they'll be fine Mobius I can't leave them and Loki says I understand listen look you can come back anytime and they turn around and mobius shows him himself from literally that point in time moments ago where loki began walking up and mobius was cleaning up after his kids and loki says i can bring you back at any point in time it will be like you never left your boys won't even know you're gone all of existence is in grave danger and your boys are in danger too I can't keep them safe unless you help me. And this is the moment where Mobius continues uh, to watch himself and Loki from afar. And Mobius says, what were you calling me? And Loki says, Mobius. And Mobius says, it's a pretty cool name. And <laughs> agrees to go. So pretty badass moment there. And then a Loki appears through the time door and approaches Hunter B-15 in New York and <laughs> just says, this is going to sound strange. <laughs> and so obviously he had a conversation like that again with Hunter B-15, like the one he had with Mobius. And now we're shown Casey and the prisoners that escape uh, make it to land. <laughs> and Loki appears. They make it to like the sand beach <laughs> where the boat and everything is. And Loki appears through the time door and then at this point we kind of skip that moment because we're assuming they had something similar because we're getting the band back together and then loki has obi mobius hunter b15 and casey back together but loki says they're missing one and we know who that is 
So Loki appears at McDonald's <laughs> to go see Sylvie. And uh, Loki says, this is going to sound strange. I know you don't know who I am. And Sylvie says, Loki, of course, I know who you are. So now, what do you think of this moment? Because this threw me off guard at first, too, when he just shows up there and she knows exactly who he is. What were your thoughts on this? My thoughts were that her timeline hadn't been affected just yet because everyone that he went to, that used to work at the TVA that's now in the place on their own timeline, they like they were with him in the TVA when that all happened. So it's like, I don't know if, if she just got back to her timeline and it, like whatever was happening and the unraveling of everything just didn't get to that timeline yet. So she still had full recollection of all their time together all the moments they had so that's the only thing i could think of i don't know i don't know how else like she would uh not uh, how else she would realize who he was and not have like a blank slate as the rest of the group did so that that's that's it unless like they have this special connection being loki's a variance of each other where they always recognize each other i don't know but I, i think it's more so the timeline hadn't affected the uh the mcdonald's timeline that she was in as as of this point so i don't know yeah that's kind of what i was thinking too like i guess it just didn't reach that point on the branch yet right because what happened because we also got to realize that everyone was there at the tva timeline that he went and tried to find and, and gather everyone was at that part where you know she already had another spot on the timeline i think that TVA timeline got erased of, uh, and then everyone was kind of put back to where they were originally before they got taken by the TVA and that's why you know Sylvie still existed she'd never worked for the TVA you know what I mean so she just existed on her own in that little bubble in McDonald's over in Oklahoma so that's what I think what is the case that she just, it just wasn't it didn't affect her since she wasn't a TVA agent or someone who worked for the TVA yeah I agree 100% um so at this point, so then Loki is surprised and explains how everyone else uh, else's lives were reset, but not Sylvie's. And Sylvie says, sorry, this isn't how I thought this. <laughs> well, Loki says, sorry, this isn't how I thought this scene would play out. And then Loki time slips in front of Sylvie and Sylvie just says, OK, get in the car. I'm buying you a drink because obviously this is a problem. And so they get in the car, they get to the bar and uh sylvie is arguing that everyone else in, is in their timelines um they want so just to leave them be like they're happy just leave them there and they didn't get a chance before but now they finally have the timelines to be where they want to be and sylvie continues to question loki on why he is proceeding with trying to return people to their timelines and sylvie says she wants to have a life and to stay in her own timeline and Loki blames her for being so selfish and then Loki says I want to stop he who remains Sylvie says no try again what is it you really want come on I want to save this I want to save everything all of it is it really that hard to come on is it really that hard come on keep trying I want to save the TVA why I want the TVA back and and then the bartender walks up. What do you want? And Loki says, I want my friends back. And then Sylvie nods and just goes, two bourbons, please. And then Loki says, I want my friends back. I don't want to be alone. And Sylvie says, see, 
We're both selfish. I know this is hard, but your friends are back where they belong. And Loki says, but without them, where do I belong? And Sylvie says, we're all writing our own stories now. Go write yours. Sylvie takes a shot and leaves. And then Loki appears back in the room with the group and tells them they should all go home. So question to you. Clearly, we know that the branches were going to dissolve. So Loki wanted to solve the situation to save humanity. True. But we can definitely see Loki's definitely taken a lot of steps from where he conquered New York years ago. And now he's doing this for his friends. What At what point do you think Mobius and him, he really saw Mobius as a friend? I would say probably halfway through the first season. Once they got past all the nasty business of them arresting Loki and trying to prune him and their whole goal was to find Sylvie, which is a variant that was killing a bunch of TVA agents. And they, I feel like once they built a level of trust, it grew from there because right now, and we're going to see this even so much as uh, next week when we get into episode six, you can see how much they're how close Mobius and Loki have become. But you ask me when, I think it would be like halfway through the first season of the show. I would say so too. And it's, uh, it's really great to see that the God of mischief himself isn't so mischievous anymore. <laughs> very upfront with everybody. Very honest. Talk about making a, what is it? Jane Ellie calls it a 180. I'm the one that usually like call it a 360. <laughs> Jane Ellie's like, that doesn't make any sense. That yeah, doesn't make any sense. Cause three, 360 <laughs> is a full turnaround to where you were when you started. So you're going to be exactly in the same place where a 180 is like a, a full turnaround and a, a flip of where you were. So 180 is is the proper quote there 360 you're, you're in the same exact spot as you were when you started you don't want to do that you want to be at the 180 and different than when you were when you started so i feel like that should be a ron burgundy quote uh, <laughs> what does he say how now bound cow how now brown cow oh that's like me doing a 360 it's 180 ron <laughs> it's 180 ron well agree to disagree i guess <laughs> that doesn't make any sense anyways great point jay nelly <laughs> so at this point so uh then we see sylvie goes to visit this record store she goes to kind of like almost like a coffee shop like somewhere you would go to kind of blow off steam and she tells the employee it's been a rough day and the employee hands her a record to listen to and says this will make it either a whole lot better or a whole lot worse and sylvie sits uh, sits in the back of the room and where the couch is and listens to the record as it, time begins to slow down and everything begins to turn to shreds. So the employee's pouring the coffee, everything almost like freezes and everything's turning to shreds where the branch is disappearing and everything's vanishing. And Sylvie activates a time door and walks through. And it's where Loki is beginning to apologize to the group and tells them to go back to their lives, but Sylvie appears and tells them the branches are dying. And then Loki tells Obi and realizes this, everyone is there, and they have the coordinates now to go back to the point in time that they're trying to get to 
so they can fix the temporal loom. Inobia attempts to get the tim pad, but it's already gone. And then Loki looks around the room, and everyone begins to turn to shred and vanish, one by one, first Casey, then Obi, then Mobius, then Hunter B-15, and finally, Sylvie. And Loki desperately tries to grab the branches and put them together as everything's vanishing, but he can't stop it. And Loki time slips back to the same moment, but earlier, right before, when Sylvie turns to, right before Sylvie turns to shred, literally like a moment before, and everyone else has already vanished. And then Loki time slips again, and Loki appears earlier in the same moment, just a little bit before, when the entire group is still there and Sylvie first appears. And Loki says, I did it. And Sylvie said, did what? I controlled it. And Obi says, you learned to control your time slipping? Loki says, yes, it's not about where, when, or why. It's about who. I can rewrite the story. And then Loki time slips back to the moment in the room with the temporal loom. And the episode ends. What are your takeaways on this episode, Jay Nelly? It was one of the better ones. I mean, look, I, I think I feel uh, if you've listen to every single episode we've put out covering the Loki series at this point. I feel like I've said the same thing over and over again of how it, you know, it's, it's one of the better ones, but it just is because we've got this whole, we, you know, last week we finished it off where everything went blank and you're kind of left with the shit that everyone just die. And then we come into this episode and we get everyone at their spot on the timeline, you know, B-15's a nurse or a healthcare practitioner. I don't know her actual title. Mobius is a off-road vehicle salesman. Uh, you got Casey as a criminal, escaped criminal. You got Obi as an author. And, you know, Sylvie's got her spot where she's been at McDonald's for a little bit, just chilling. But point being is we get to see where these people were and where they came from before they became TVA agents. And that's, I thought that was something very cool and unique. And then being able to convince them to leave the life that they've always known. You know how impossible that would be? That'd be like me going to Chase's house today and being like, bro, this is going to sound crazy, but we don't actually live here. Your name is actually <laughs> Xavier, and we we got to bounce out to like space real fast. And he's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, You look at me like I've got six heads. You know, so the fact that you got to, convince people that this is not the the life that they're actually living and they need to go do something completely separate it's not something that is you you can really do and it was cool to see the steps he took to do that and how still you know to control this time slipping he tried so many different avenues and then realized as sylvie was starting to dissolve and everything was going black and dark that it's, it's almost the same trope of in a life-threatening situation, that's when he realized the additional powers he never knew you had. And that's when he realized how he could control his time slipping because he wanted to save all of his friends. And it really took down to the very last one for him to flip the switch and realize that's what it took. So it was cool to see. And, you know, that gives us a whole bunch of avenues going forward of like, okay, now Loki control can control the time slipping. So you can go back before all of these... Uh, attempts at uh, fixing everything he can keep going to new places if he needs to he can keep going back in time if he needs to which is going to be super helpful could also be super confusing but 
you know, like at the very end, at least the story doesn't end here where like, if he never learned how to control this time slipping, everything's gone. You know, he, everyone shreds to ribbons and everything's in oblivion and that's it, you know? So that was really cool to see, you know, and there's people on other timelines that are still existent because of Loki and they'll never even know it. So it's really cool to see this full turnaround from the villain that tried to take over New York City with an alien army to this guy saving a bunch of branches on the timeline and, and giving people a chance at, at survival by learning a new skill right at the brink of the edge of being too late. It was really interesting, and I thought the episode as a whole just was really cool. And like I said, the little Easter eggs they threw in with the guys over in Alcatraz, I thought that was interesting. And you could even see a little bit of each of those people, like who they were in the TVA, how they became the people that they were in the TVA because of the stuff that they found interest in their place on the timeline. Like Obi wrote that handbook at the TVA, and he's an author in his actual space on the timeline. Mobius always had a thing for jet skis in the TVA. Well, he was a jet ski salesman in his place on the timeline. B-15 has been trying to help people and protect people from day one. And on her spot on the timeline, she's a healthcare practitioner in some form or fashion. You know, so everyone has a little bit taken of where, like, who they were on the timeline as to what their profession and, and their, their role was at the TVA. So I, just, I found that very interesting, super unique. It was a really well-written episode. And like I said, I know I always say this is one of the better ones, and I've kind of continuously said that for each episode, but it has. It's kind of just built up and, and grown farther, and I really think that this is, well, you know, if I was going to tell someone like to watch this season, I would say, you know, stick through it, and it's going to get really good, and you're going to be able to figure out and really understand a few things when you get to episode five. And I think that's, you know, that's what I would tell individuals is, is that that's, it, it is kind of difficult to follow. But once you kind of get the hang of the different timelines and you kind of get an understanding, because this one really helps us understand who these people were before the TVA, I think this is, this is one of the better episodes. And obviously learning this new skill, this is something that's invaluable going forward. And I bet going into, what are we, phase five now in Marvel, this is going to be something that plays into a really big role for the future of our heroes defending the planet and galaxy and universe from whatever the next big bad is. And obviously, you know, we think we knew what it was and then some things have <laughs> maybe might have changed. I don't want to get too much into that today, but you know, it, it, at the very least, this is a skill that could be very useful, not just in this series, but in the whole Marvel universe moving forward. So, Takeaways are, fantastic episode, well-written, didn't really have a whole lot of issues with it at all, and I thought the Easter eggs that they threw at us were very cool. So that those are my takeaways, man. What about yours? Yeah, same thing. I thought it was awesome. I loved how you know, you've had these moments since season one of uh, exactly what these people wanted to do, kind of riding off into the sunset here, like their perfect life. Like, even Mobius has said it, like, from the moment he was interrogating Loki of, you know, I've always wanted a jet ski. Like, he had the magazines of the jet ski in the TVA room. And finally, this is what, you know, this is exactly what they've gotten. And it uh, it, it, it makes you think because it makes you wonder, like, how much of 
contemplation in Loki's head you would probably have, like stripping someone from their entire peace, basically. Like what makes them happy in order for, you know, Geller Grindelwald, right, for the greater good <laughs> is the idea. And they're totally stripped from that. Uh, and, I mean, I think they wrote it, I mean, just like you said, I mean, it is one of the better ones. That's basically all we can say about it. Like, it, it doesn't, episodes don't need to have a whole lot of action to be fantastic. And I think that's what this one did was the writing was great. The dialogue was great. And it kept it moving. It wasn't slow where you were bored. But it also needed to solve things and attached pieces to the puzzle so we can get to that greater picture which is what we've been trying to do this whole time i mean even in one episode we came up with a problem and then we're able to solve it by the end just for the overall problem so able to take steps that uh, really meant a lot to the series as an entirety really so uh, i thought it was great i'd probably on a grading scale i'd give it a a 9.0. What would you give it on a grading scale, Jay Nelly? 1 to 10. I'd give it an 8.7 just due to lack of, of battle action that you look for in a superhero movie or series. If there is some of that, I think I probably would have hit it at a 9. But 8.7 is still really strong. And I'm not, I'm not sure... If I, what's it? What, did the runtime go about an hour? Was this a 55 minute episode? I'm not sure exactly, but I think it was around an hour. So, uh, some of these episodes they fluctuate in time. I think one was like 37 minutes. I think that was like episode two or three. And, you know, so, so the 55 is one of the longer ones in season two. And to keep you captivated without any action is impressive. But I think if you add a little bit of a layer of maybe someone is trying to stop Loki from gathering everybody or, you know, you've got to overcome an additional obstacle outside of just, you know, getting everyone together and someone's trying to stop you along the way and, and delay it so you don't have enough time to do everything. I think that's just an additional layer they could have added to make it, yeah, even more exciting. But it, it's not necessary. It's still a great episode as it is. But yeah, I, I always look for ways to yeah, improve. There's never going to be such thing as a perfect anything, you know. So it's just my own opinion on it. I think that'd be cool to add like, a little bit of action, maybe remnants of other hunters trying to, you know, stop him from achieving that goal. Or maybe, you know, another variant of He Who Remains trying to stop him from achieving that goal. So that way the, the time issue uh, doesn't get solved and... He remains still, quote unquote, wins in the end. So I, I, that's just an additional thing I could put together on my end and, and thought process for how I would grade it. But yeah, eight point seven out of ten. Thought it was really strong, man. And I guess I'll you know turn it over to you for any debates that you got for for this episode. Yeah, uh, my debate is so if Sylvie didn't run back and everything was okay in that timeline. Do you think Loki would be truly happy leaving everyone in their own timelines? Mm, this is tough because when they had that discussion and, and she said, see, you're selfish too. It leads me to believe that leaving them to their own lives 
would have been maybe that's not something I think he would want to do. Do I think he would do it because you don't want like you want happiness for your friends? Maybe, but it's a good question just because I don't I don't know how he like what at that point like what would he do from there though? Cuz without gathering them all together without having that last like knee jerk moment of him learning the time something before it was too late how do you get to that point and if you don't get to that point and he doesn't learn that how do you go back in time before everything starts going to shit and attempt to fix and fix and fix like if you never learn that you never and it never happens and it never happens time runs out and everything's gone so it's like I don't know if he would have been cool with just leaving everyone and their their peace and comfort in what they've always known. Because not only just he would be lonely, but everything ends. You know, I don't think so. Because at that point, they all die anyway. It's all the people he knows and cares about. If he just leaves them to their own devices and where they are in the timeline, they all end up dying because the timelines all end up dying out. And I don't think he could allow his friends to die like that without him trying to do what he actually did in this episode and bring them together. And then he finally figures his shit out and, and controls that time slipping. I don't think that happens without doing what he did. And if he just leaves them alone, there's no way everyone dies anyways. And I don't think he would allow or did, he would do everything in his power to make sure his friends didn't die. Even if he had selfish designs behind him, maybe he didn't want to be alone. Fine. But I also think he doesn't like like he would realize there's no other way. There's no other way. If he leaves them to their own devices, they all die regardless. And I, and I don't think he was willing to let that happen. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I don't know. I almost tend to disagree with you a little bit because he started to let them go. But then at that point, he's just stuck time slipping forever. So I would actually argue he does because I won't get into what happens next week. But I think he would probably make the ultimate sacrifice just to continue to time slip forever. I mean, no one likes him anyways. <laughs> no one likes him over in New York because he got to go back to his brother. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean it's a really tough question to ask because then you would think maybe he would start thinking about the other branches and how much it really does affect them. Because I think he does care overall now for the entirety of the humanity, I guess you would say. But, and then you even wonder, right? Is it even about taking down he who remains anymore? It really almost like isn't because you're really just trying to piece together branches that he who remains messed up. So I think, I almost think what would happen is maybe he would leave them in their own timelines and then try to slip to a point to try to stop the he who remains incident. But he tried that so many times. So I guess you're just kind of stuck. You would just time slip forever, right? If that's what would happen. Yeah, I just don't know if he would learn the time slipping without dragging everybody there to begin with. That's what kind of got him to learn how to control it. 
So if he didn't do that, I think he just never learns how to control it. And if you don't learn how to control it, you can't go back to places that help you accomplish the goal of stopping this whole destruction of time. And I'm gutting it in next week. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But what ends up kind of being the resolution is, you know, when he, when he, he makes his own decision on something. But I, I don't think he can do that without bringing all these people here to that point and then seeing all of them start to wisp away into nothingness until he unlocks that ability that he has. That never happens. I don't think that happens without dragging all of his friends to the point of gathering them together. So if he never does that, I don't think he learns how to time slip. He doesn't learn how to time slip. I think it's all for naught and the, and the, all the timelines fade away and, and die out. And that's, and that's it. That's it, man. And how do you think Loki and Sylvie will wind up making their appearance overall? Like to, because keep in mind, a lot of people that are in the Marvel universe, they still think Loki's dead based on what happened in Infinity War. So not only would they be surprised he's alive, but to trust him, that's a whole nother situation to realize that this is really a different Loki at this point. Like, really, entirety a different Loki, because if you go back to season one, he was watching himself die. And we've seen he's gone up to these other variants of, like, Mobius, and they have no recollection of any of it. So how do you think they make their appearance in whatever the overall objective is here in the MCU? I don't know how Loki will make his appearance simply for the fact that by the end of next week, I don't know how Loki goes anywhere. Uh, you know, I don't, <laughs> that's, that's what I'll say for that. I don't want to give anything away before we cover it. It's just, it's hard to understand unless I know he has, like his magic allows him to make duplicates and replicas of himself in, in potentially that could be something that he utilizes to appear. I more so think Sylvie will play a role for, and maybe explain to the other defenders. Because a lot of our, you know, if we think about it, a lot of our original Avengers are no longer in play, right? Tony Stark, he's dead. Captain America, he's an old man living out the rest of his days. He's done doing stuff. You know, so we have almost a whole new core group of, of of Avengers, and I don't really know. I don't know how that that plays a factor. I think Sylvie, she's gonna end up playing a role, and potentially, maybe them being a variant of each other will come into play. But I don't necessarily know how Loki makes his own appearance. Maybe when the big fighting starts, maybe he's not meant to. Maybe he's meant to be doing what he does at the end of next week. And, and maybe that's it and allows people uh, to, how do I say this? Mm, find variants of He Who Remains due to the infinite strands of timelines maybe people are able to 
Hmm, I don't want to say. I want. I want to say. I'm going to say it. Whatever. I think maybe they'll be able to pass through him into different timelines and find variants of he remains, and maybe the objective is to take out every single variant, and eventually we're going to get the the battle war ready. He who remains variant as the end all be all, and that's going to be some wild fucking insane battle that's going to take all of the new age Avengers to, to overcome something along those lines. It could be way off. It could be nowhere near the mark, but though that's what I could potentially see happening as we sit here today. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that makes sense. I don't want to go into anything next week, but yeah, I mean, maybe he's, maybe he doesn't make an appearance at all. If Sylvie does, I would argue that's your lead there. I mean, it hasn't been working with, captain marvel in my opinion uh clearly (laughs) the box office reflects if it works or not and i mean you know we talked about wanda we don't know what's going on with her if she's ever coming back (laughs) and uh you know shuri i still don't feel like she really fit the lead role per se i feel like sylvie is your girl put her in there i mean you're trying to build this we talked about it when we covered the marvels they're trying to build this you know uh women-led team that's the person you need what do you think of that i still like wanda more because i think Wanda's more powerful but yeah it's tough with her because you don't know where she stands on on stuff if she's even mentally capable of pulling it together and wanting to re-enter the fight for good you must she might just be especially after the, the events of multiverse of madness she might just be like fuck this bullshit and just try <laughs> to live out her days like a nomad you know and then but i'm assuming you gotta bring her back she's I, I think maybe outside of captain marvel she's the most powerful of all the avengers right now and I also think we, you know, speaking of the multiverse of madness, we also got to keep in mind that Doctor Strange is still out there. Now he's got the ability to fly, fly through different multiverses himself. So maybe he can take on a leadership role. He's been there for a while. He's earned his stripes. But again, with that third eye popping up on his head, almost like an evil Strange, <laughs> you don't really know where he's at either. And uh, so Sylvie would be a cool lead i just don't think we've seen enough of her for her to be able to take over as the as the point person you know as much as it it, i i like wanda and i think that's the route you should go but we also got to remember we got a a kid in a little spider suit that's swinging around new york that uh he's been (laughs) there for a good amount of time too and maybe he's starting to take that next step himself especially when after uh, no way homer we've had different variants of spider-man coming in and out and you know maybe we'll have toby mcguire take on a mentorship or leadership role not in a battle capacity but more of like a wisdom capacity then you got andrew garfield who can come in and out and you guys so maybe you know we, we play around with that idea a little bit with the spider-men and and see if maybe tom holland spider-man could could move into a leadership role but i still think that's a little bit of ways because he's still fairly young does he have the respect of everyone to actually lead it's tough you know with tony stark and uh captain america you had those two and people seem to respect them whether they agreed with one side or the other side 
most seemed to respect those two as as a leader, and they always made the tough decisions. Do we have that right now with anyone? I'd say the closest is probably Doctor Strange, but you don't know what his mindset is now after the events of the Multiverse of Madness and the, the, the Dark Book, whatever happened there when that was open. So I'm not exactly sure where he stands. So I, to answer your question, Sylvie is a good option. I just don't think we've seen enough of her to where we can we can just settle on her being the pinpoint head lead of the entire Avengers going forward cuz keep in mind too it looks like you know when we went ahead and covered the movie The Marvels a few weeks back we also it looks like we're going to start introducing the X-Men more and more so we're going to have a, like not just the Avengers that we we've, we've come up with and the ones that they've introduced but also ones from different in backgrounds and different universes you know i'm sure we're gonna get you know we also can't forget about deadpool we got you know i'm sure wolverine's gonna make his appearance soon now that we've had beast make his appearance and they referenced uh, charles xavier so there's just a lot of things going on and who knows where the fantastic four are gonna play a role in this so it's tough to to kind of gauge about who's gonna be the leader if we're gonna have like a core four like we did with thor hulk Captain America and Iron Man, maybe we, we do that. And even still with that, it's tough for me to say that Sylvie can take a spot in that core for when we've only really seen her on screen for two seasons of a spin-off series. And I don't want to call it a spin-off series. It, it is its own series. It's just I'm talking more so along the spin-off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not a feature film. It's a series following one character um, a long way, which is supposed to be Loki, but she's a variant of Loki. I just don't think we've seen enough. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it, it does. I can definitely see that too. Um, yeah, I, I just think, in my opinion, she's like had the strongest um, recent female-led like character, in my opinion, one that we can actually grow with and actually um relate to versus some of these i just feel like they're just kind of thrown in there you know like kamala um, khan you know like kamala khan bro (laughs) i'm open to anybody i really am but uh, i just like i hate how they like i had no emotional attachment to any of those marvel characters in the marvels like if any of them got killed off i hate to say this but i'd be like cool (laughs) <laughs> let's make some room <laughs> out with the old and with the new man wouldn't affect me one bit <laughs> to be honest but and uh i'll turn it over to you in just a second but you mentioned a good point about uh you know my guy in the blue and red suit uh they're thinking about they're actually ironically they're in talks for spider-man 4 right now and they're thinking about i think it's a really good idea what they're thinking about the storyline they're trying to develop it around because you know he's in that other multiverse is it's going to be very ground-based level and they're going to have him take on the kingpin with daredevil is what they're thinking about what do you think about like a ground level spider-man film man it's tough because it's interesting as we're starting to go into certain storylines where i think a lot of a lot of it's been done in different fashions there's another 
Spider-Man series that's animated that's had two feature films that kind of does that already and I don't know how I feel about it like are you just going to make the same thing live action with with actors that we've already seen I don't I don't think that's the way to go to be honest we've seen like I said we've seen an animated feature film two of them that were really strong that dealt with well, for the first one, dealt with Kingpin as the primary antagonist. I don't think we need to see that again. I think we go in a different direction. I think that something would be cool is is to maybe... Uh, if we want to do something new and we want to do Spider-Man 4, I think we really introduce Tom Hardy's Venom into it and make that yeah. a thing. I think that's the way you go, personally. Yeah, you brought up a really good point. That's a good idea. I didn't even think of that. I mean, I just thought it would be cool to see the whole Daredevil band back together. Because all we really saw of him was, you know, he just caught that brick <laughs> last time we saw him. But no, that's a, that's a really good point. And I'm assuming, because of course everyone's going to want to know your thoughts on this. I would say my opinion is leave Toby and Andrew out of this one and then maybe bring them back for Avengers. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I agree 100%. You can't utilize them everywhere, or else people are going to come to accept that as normal, and it won't have a special meaning anymore. you got to save them for big moments. I agree. Perfect, 100%. What's your debates for the day, Jay Nelly? Yeah, so for this episode, speaking on it directly, my debate is if the original TVA timeline was ripped apart, and that's why everyone was sent back to their spots on the timeline itself. How did that happen if the if the TVA timeline is gone? So how do we even have any other timeline? How do we get to these other timelines? You know, and is it is it more along the the lines of there every timeline is still existing until finally you know, you know, like how the timelines die like maybe one at a time and it takes a little bit for them to to fully phase out and, and turn to dust and, and go away. Or I guess in this situation, they like they turn into like ribbons or whatever. They dissolve into ribbons of strands of time. Does is it more of like every timeline is running out of time and it's just a matter of when it's finally gone or is there still a timeline existent outside of where it all exploded, where that loom exploded and all the strands were that were trying to be held in by that loom. And they're, and they're just dying out a little at a time until finally they're all eventually going to be gone and then it's nothingness. Or does there still a timeline that exists separate from all the timelines in that loom? My assumption was the reason they're able to get back to the tva to fix these things is because that is just a branch of where uh when they were jumping and these branches were shredding that's just a branch of the secret timeline and the secret timeline isn't being destroyed it's the branches that are being destroyed so i'm assuming that they're actually jumping back over to the secret timeline which is the original one that he who remains created so that way you know they can then 
you know, Loki can try to control his time slipping and jump to the other branches that are branching out and expanding because the whole point is the branches are expanding so much they're eventually going to explode. Um, that was my assumption. I mean, that could be a big writing plot hole <laughs> because technically they shouldn't. But my assumption is that every time is they're jumping to a branch that's been either reborn and recreated because it just keeps creating new branches and is one that's similar or they're jumping back to the original secret timeline which is what the TVA branches off of I guess I don't know what's your thoughts yeah this is where it gets confusing because remember the issue that Victor Timely told them is that there's still going to be a scaling issue and you can't scale for infinite so if there's infinite branches continuously being created but also destroyed at the same time, where is where does the loop stop? Like where does the loop stop of like creation versus destruction? Because we saw the loom explode, which is supposed to kill out kill all those branched out timelines because they can't fit inside the thread of the of the of the big machine that they have making sure all of these timelines can be supported. So now that 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 function that machine is broken, all these timelines are dying, and we see that because at the end of this episode, they everything starts turning into the ribbon shit right before it does. And when Sylvie starts to thread away, that's when he figures out how to control his time slipping. So we do know everything was coming to an end, but. It doesn't really explain the creation of the infinite branches unless they they can't be created anymore if the machine is destroyed. That's something that's not really answered, and that's something that is hard to comprehend without an answer to it. So I guess my my uh, assumption is that everything was eventually going to end. It was just biding time until every single branch finally fades out. And then when it finally fades out, there's nothing left, and that's it. But again, that's assuming the infinite number of branches that were being created continuously or don't continuously be are, are aren't made anymore. Now that the loom's gone, if there is still continuous infinite branches, then there's always going to be somewhere to jump to because even though they'll be created and they ended up dying or whatever, created dying or whatever you want to say. You can always go somewhere because there's always going to be another one created. I don't know that that's the case or not, but if that's not the case, I feel like everything was coming to a full end right before Loki figured out his time slipping. It really just depends on the correlation between the creation of infinite branches and the destruction of every branch that is no longer able to sustain itself now that the loom's gone. It's one of those two, and I don't know which way they're going to roll with it. Yeah, you make a really good point. Um, I would probably say the second option, but I don't know. This is where it gets very deep and confusing. Um, I mean, you brought up such a good point. It, I mean, I would think... it's. Can you tell me the second option one more time? I want to make sure I'm reviewing that. Yeah, no. So the, the two options were, and I don't know which order I put them in, but either 
you have infinite branches created that will eventually die off, but because they're continuously being created, there's always a place to jump to. Or now that the the machine, the loom is destroyed, if any other branches can even come about now that there's no place for the branches to come from. So eventually like all the branches that are already there, that's a maximum number of branches and they're slowly dying out until it'll be no branches and it's just nothingness. Or do cont- infinite number of branches continue on and there's always some place to jump to because new branches are continuously being made since it's an infinite that you can't scale for infinite as they keep are they keep being created but i don't know if they can continuously be created if the 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 loom's gone so everything's just gone at that point is what i would expect but just my thoughts but yeah any closing thoughts you had for the day jay nelly Got nothing, man. Glad that uh, we were able to get through this episode five here, folks. So this is the first time that you tuned in to us. We really hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been with us from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us online, we're on all the social sites. Find us on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got our TikTok at ridiculous patronus backup tiktok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy got a facebook fan page chase and josh factor fantasy we're on youtube at ridiculous patronus we're on snapchat rp factor fantasy we're on twitter rp factor fantasy and we do have our own website ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com so please tune in click like subscribe follow along leave comments leave written reviews leave star ratings all of the engagement is super helpful to us here on the show and in terms of where you can listen to the podcast itself, if you have an Apple product, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you have an Android, you can find us on Google Play. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Acast, our host site, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.